In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Night Fence Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and week eight is here, and we are fired up to have our guest picker this week, John Smith, with us. John, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man. Glad to be here. Excited to, so, excited to make these picks. Yeah, man. A lot, lot of picks this week. It's an interesting slate, I will say. Uh, as y'all will hear as we go through this, uh, your host may have been reaching a little bit on these picks, but we're going to have fun with it either way. Uh, not a... <laughs> Not a blockbuster week like it has been the past three weeks we've been swole. But hey, look, any weekend of college football is better than none. So I'm fired up about it regardless. Uh, before we pick these games, I want to talk to you about the elephant in the room, if you are a Dogs fan, is that that is the absence of Brock Bowers for the foreseeable future. So what were your initial thoughts when the news came out and how do you see things progressing in his absence? I was terrified. I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> as, as a Georgia fan, it's like, what, you know, I don't know. Initial thoughts. Um, I think for me, Brock Bowers, my initial thoughts, honestly, I was just sad for the dude. I think Brock yeah. Bowers is, he's done nothing but do everything right. He's obviously from everything that I know and, and what uh, the coaches have said publicly, he's one of the hardest workers, if not the hardest worker on the team. Dude has put out everything into, um, into this year and so you hate injuries are the worst part of football worst part of the sport and so i hated it for him um i will say you know uh when i heard that he was gonna have the tightrope surgery um that actually made me feel a little bit better that's that's a uh something that you know really speeds up the recovery process and he'll probably be in a better place longer term for his career from from having it which is weird weird to say um but yeah you know as a as a georgia fan with the team wise you know i it does not concern me to lose Brock Bowers. It concerns me, you know, it concerns you to lose the best player uh, on the offensive side of the ball. That's not a quarterback in college football, right? I mean, Brock Bowers is, is an incredible athlete, um, but this is why you recruit. This is why you go to the portal and you get Dominic Lovett and you get Rara Thomas. This is why uh, you recruit um, so deep at tight end. You know, Todd Hartley has recruited that position better than anyone in the country except for maybe Brian Hartline recruiting wide receivers at Ohio State. I mean, the dude just – he's recruited some absolute studs, and this is why they come to Georgia. They come to Georgia for the next man up, and they come to Georgia for this opportunity. So that, those are my thoughts on it. I'm not concerned about uh, about how Georgia will respond. I think you've got some really good guys on, on that side of the ball. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Sad was a good way to put it, and, and not as a fan or yeah. as anything like that. I was sad because what I had enjoyed thus far was him being legitimately in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. rightfully so. Yeah. I thought he deserved that notoriety, and I thought it was justified. And I mm -hmm. think, absent the injury and absent missing this time, I do think he's sitting in New York come second weekend in December because I think he would have justified it with his play on the field. So, so that made me sad. 
because I thought that would have been a really cool story for him and for college football in general. Um, but yeah, to your point, man, I, the tightrope thing also kind of fired me up because I think mm-hmm. it speaks to who he is, mm-hmm. which is he wants to get back on the field as soon as possible and help this mm-hmm. team because that's just that's just how he is, man. I, I was really struck by him at SEC Media Days from a presence perspective. He just seems like an inherently humble kid that mm-hmm. all he wants to do is go out and play football. All the rest of the noise and the attention, he don't really care, man. He just wants to play ball and win games, and that's it. And, boy, that's that's so easy to love in a kid. So, so yeah, man. Um, well, let me ask you this. Of the, I guess, stretch that he's anticipated to miss, mm-hmm. which game gives you the most heart palpitations? <laughs> oh, man, that's a tough question. You know, I think, honestly, um, if, if you look and you say there's a potential he could be back for Tennessee, which I've heard um, – so if you look, you know, let's just say Florida, Mizzou, and Ole Miss. Um, to be honest, it's it's Mizzou, and it, the reason it's Mizzou is, um, I think Mizzou is the only team in that list that has, you know, real potential to stretch Georgia's defense. And I think you you know you have an opportunity where the Georgia defense has, has um, played well when it's had to this year, but there have been times when it just hasn't really played well overall, um, it, you know, stretches of the game, I guess, especially in the red zone kind of thing. And so if you look at a team that could potentially score some points I, on Georgia, I think that's potentially Mizzou. And so that's what makes me nervous is that you, um, you have a team like that where you might get into a situation where you need, you need a guy like Brock Bowers to make a play. I'm not concerned about Florida. Uh, I'm not concerned uh, about Ole Miss um, for two reasons. Number one, Florida uh, has Billy Napier and Ole Miss has Lane Kiffin. And I just don't, I just think Kirby Smart will outcoach both of those guys. Yeah. Um, I do think Eli Drinkwitz is probably one of the better, most underrated guys in the SEC of using his personnel on the offensive side of the ball and finding ways to do stuff. You know, we, we saw it last year when Georgia went up to Mizzou. It's like you just find ways to, to make something happen. So that's my take. I, I think Mizzou is the one um, that makes me a little bit nervous in that stretch. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. You know, it's funny. I've thought about this a little bit this week. And initially, I think on paper, if you're just looking at personnel and what they like to do offensively, Ole Miss is the one that makes you the most nervous, right? Because they've got a quarterback that in theory can pull it and stretch the edge, which has give, given Georgia problems this year. They've got very competent running game. They can sling it a little bit. But to your point, I don't trust Lane Kiffin at all, especially in a game that'll be of magnitude. I mean, he will just shoot 100%. himself in the foot. And I think you just wait for him to do that. And so Yeah, yeah. the scariest thing the scariest thing for Georgia is that if if Ole Miss actually I will say the best thing for Georgia is if Ole Miss actually wins a few games and comes in ranked and Lane Kiffin comes in with that, with all that pressure on him to win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I will say, you know, if Ole Miss drops a couple and he comes in with nothing to lose, then man, I don't know, you know, but I don't, I don't trust him either way. Uh, but hopefully he comes in with a ranked team and Georgia uh, generally rises to the occasion in those environments. All right. So we got 10 games on the docket this week. And as we discussed earlier, there are going to be some ones that people hear when we announce them and go, boy, can't we were digging deep in the bag this week for games. And that's okay. That's what we're here for. We cover all of college football in addition to covering the dogs. So we're going to, we're going to touch on everywhere all throughout the nation this week, boys. 
Um, all right, first one is a, a little bit of a heart choice here. My my beloved co-host, Alma Mater, is one of the 11 unbeaten teams still remaining in college football. And I also put this on here just so we can all kind of talk a little bit on the absurdity that they are ineligible for any postseason play, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I was telling somebody, I read about it because I was curious, like, what's the premise for the rule, right? And the more I've read about it, the more irritated I get because the reasoning is, well, we put the rule in place to discourage schools that weren't ready for making the jump. It's like, what does that even mean? Like, and if you are ready, you just get punished for two years because I, it, it is the dumbest logic I have ever read in my life. Um, so, yeah, with that intro, we are going to pick JMU going to Huntington to play the Marshall Thundering Herd. JMU is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite, but Huntington been a tough place to play this year. Thundering Herd is undefeated on their home field and have some pretty, I would say, nice wins. Uh, they got power five wins over uh, Virginia Tech, yep. and they beat ECU, they beat ODU, gave NC State all they wanted. Uh, but I think we have chatted on this show, and I know where my boy is going to land. JMU is a wagon, and I would put out there with a big old flag planted in the ground that they are the best college football program in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and I don't really know if there's an argument to that, but I'm just going to say that, uh, and we have watched that program develop from FCS all the way up to FBS. Well, John, how are you feeling on this one, brother? Man, I love I love James Madison University. Um, Kurt Signetti, all that does all that guy does is win. Um, he's forty seven and eight as head coach at James Madison. Uh, he won at uh, Elon. He won. You know, he's 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 the kind of guy. He's very similar, I think, to like a Lance Leopold at, at Kansas, where it, he's been at some of these smaller programs, but all he's done is win. Um, and he has uh, James Madison, you know, uh, cooking. It's a, it's a top 25 offense versus the FBS. Um, I think James Madison is going to win. I think James Madison, I think what's going to happen, we'll go a little bit of a longer game. Not only do I think James, James Madison is going to win this game, but I think it's going to come down to uh, James Madison and Air Force, um, you know, at the end of the year of like when you're thinking about who's the best group of five uh, team and it is and it is unfortunate you know the bowl situation i did read brett mcmurphy did say that there's a potential for them to make a bowl if there wasn't enough bowl eligible teams but they mm -hmm. cannot but they're not eligible for a new year six bowl or the college football playoff so um for sure so uh but yeah give me james madison i think uh i think they're gonna win i think um yeah, three and a half points is nothing there. I think they're going to cover the three and a half. I, again, no disrespect. Marshall played very good football. They're very good um, at home. Uh, but I just, I'm a believer, man. Well, for two straight weeks, this will now be the easiest pick in the history of the show for my for my co-host. So, Jim, Jimmy, where you sit on this one, buddy? You know, I'm going with the Dukes. Um, I mean, their offense hasn't been stopped all season. I don't see the herd stopping them this week. And until someone does stop them on offense, I, I'm going to continue to pick them. And until the spread gets up over seven and a half, I will pick them every week. Yeah, I'm with them too, man. I mean, they just seem like a freight train. And I'm going to tell you this. If they break out them icy whites like they wore last weekend again, it's curtains, boys. Like, they are not getting beat looking that fresh. Uh, John, I will tell you this. James knows this about me, but I am very much a prescriber to the Coach Prime theory, and that is look good, play good, play good, get paid good. <laughs> and so them boys were looking fresh last weekend. Absolutely. So, yeah, I I'm all on the Dukes, too.
All right, the next one is the sexiest matchup of the week. I think it is a who are you for both of these teams, really, right? I mean, I guess Ohio State could say they've proven that by going into South Bend and getting a win, but I still think there's lots of questions about them, right? Notre Dame has obviously showed their flawed football team. I think there are still questions about McCord and that Ohio State offense and what they're going to look like. And as the question, I think, has been with Penn State for a while, when they play a quality opponent, can they get over the hump? And can they score enough points? And so they are going into the horseshoe, and Ohio State is a three-and-a-half-point home favorite there. How do you feel about this one, John? Yeah, listen, um, I think this is the uh, ultimate prove-it game for James Franklin, right? I mean, James Franklin, he's beaten Ohio State once, I think, but I, th- I think he's, you know, 1-10 versus Ohio State. Um, has never uh, beaten Ohio State um, in Columbus. Um, the one thing I do think is that this Ohio State team does definitely definitely doesn't have uh, the offense that you that you have seen that we have felt from Ohio State teams in the past. And I think Penn State's defense is for real. Like I really mm-hmm. do. I think that defense is, um, especially uh, the the linebackers and and secondary. I think are is one of the top in the country. Um, I think Penn State is going to cover the three and a half. I don't know if they're going to win. I, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't uh, personally. I'm not going to bet this game <laughs> at all. Um, uh, I'm staying away from it. But I do think Penn State's going to keep it close, and they're going to have a chance uh, to win the football game. Um, and I think, you know, it's going to come down to uh, James Franklin and that pressure cooker. Is this the game that he can finally get them in a situation with the chance to win it and actually have? Um, uh, Drew Allard or somebody to make a play and actually win the football game. So, but I think it's going to be really close, and uh, I'm personally excited to see it. I hope I hope Penn State can pull it out. I think they're definitely going to cover though. James, what you feeling on this one, Bo? Uh, that actually was my complete analysis right there. I, <laughs> I I've been very adamant about how much I cannot stand Franklin on this show, and mm. I just think he's a jackass. Um, mm-hmm. But this is his make or break game, um, and he's got another one against Michigan in a couple of weeks, but that's at home. So I feel like that if they do not win this game, that their season is just going to go into a tailspin. And, but I do feel that they're going to cover it. And I think they, I actually think I have them winning this game. I am not going to bet it. I'm going to stay away from it as well. I'm going to just, you know, have a couple beers and enjoy it. But I really, I'm just not sold on Ohio state this year. I'm not sold on McCord. They're just, they look off something looks off this year with them they don't they haven't looked like they've looked any of the last five yeah. to, five to seven years they just look off yeah definitely not the killing machine and then you throw you know you throw penn state in there and they're penn state i think their average win their average score margin is like 32 points a game at this point so i don't know what do you what do you think seth i, I like the nitty lines to cover in this I, i'm with you boys i i wouldn't put harder money on this but uh <laughs> I think this is going to be a beautiful football game. I, this, You know what this game kind of – I don't think it will be this. But I was so excited for that Oregon-Washington game last weekend because mm-hmm. I just thought it was going to be great theater. And I think this will be that way. I mean, look, you got two historic programs, both undefeated, facing off with big things on the line. I think James Franklin has a lot to prove. I mm-hmm. think – Obviously, with the things Ryan Day has said this year, he's obviously feeling like he has something to prove. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it has all the makings for an outstanding matchup. Also, boys, I'm going to be fully frank with you all. Raise your hand if you knew Manny Diaz was Penn State's defensive coordinator. (laughs) Your your, your boy did not. 
And like I, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I don't have a Manny Diaz tracker. I had no idea. I had no idea. I was reading up uh, over the weekend about this matchup, and I saw that, and, and I thought, man, I, I think one of the things that gets undersold a lot, and I think Coach Saban has been outstanding at this, and Kirby has showed that he's been great at this, but building a staff and building a staff with guys that either have been head coaches or are very much projecting to become head coaches is a very, I think, undervalued um marker that we look at when we're evaluating programs and look man Manny Diaz regardless of how successful he was he's been at different programs as the head guy so to have that leading your defensive room with the talent that they've had there man they're tough man and so I'm super super interested to see how they come out and and rip on Saturday so yeah I'm with you boys I'm I'm taking the Nittany Lions I like them to at least cover Mm -hmm. and I do think they got a shot to win straight up so I think it's gonna be a super fun game I agree all right the next one, boys, third Saturday in October, Tennessee rolling down the river to Tuscaloosa to play the Crimson Tide. I'll tell you, the number on this makes this spicy for me. Alabama, mm-hmm. nine-and-a-half-point home favorite. I think they've obviously found their footing a little bit, but they also are not still the Alabama that we're used to, right? They're getting sacked at a historic clip under Coach Saban. They're having a difficult time, I think, you know, really lay in the hammer like we're used to seeing them do. But they're going to be on the home field. Tennessee has obviously not been the offensive juggernaut with Joe Milton that they were last year with Hendon Hooker. How you feeling on this one, John? Listen, I think, um, I mean, Tennessee, yes, they, they have not been the juggernaut. What Tennessee has done, though, is they have quietly put together one of the better offenses, uh, or, I mean, one of the better defenses in the SEC, if not mm-hmm. – the nation, right? I mean, Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, they're uh, 11th in the country versus FPS and yards per game allowed. Um, they And they run the ball, dude. I mean, Tennessee is, you know, <laughs> those running backs, um, I, I think it was, I, I can't remember if it was Josh Pay. I was listening to somebody last night, and they were talking about how angry Tennessee's running backs are running the football this year. Like, they are taking it on their shoulders of like, hey, our passing game, you know, quarterback may not be uh, what we thought he was. Our wide receivers may not be getting it done, so we're going to put it on our shoulders and get it done. The challenge is, Alabama, can you run the ball against Alabama? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tennessee hasn't beat Alabama in uh, 20 years in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, there's so many things that you you look at this and you say, Tennessee's strength right now is running the ball. Alabama's defense is very good against the run. You know, all these things. But I think Tennessee's going to cover that spread. I mean, I do. I think this is, I think this is a, a, a game where if you look at how Alabama has played, I mean, look at Art versus Arkansas last week, right? Jumped out to a yep. lead, twenty-one to six, got outscored, uh, fifteen to three in the second half, almost lost the game. Um, I think Tennessee is going to keep it close. I would not be surprised if they actually win this football game. Um, I think they they are coming in and they have the they have the traits now. I think to beat. Alabama at Alabama's on game, running the football, playing tough defense, hold, you know, keeping possession of the ball. Um, and man, Jalen Milrow, I just don't think he's that dude. Um, so I guess, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be probably uh, a good bit ugly at times. Um, but I think Tennessee is going to cover that, that nine point spread for sure. James, what you think about this, brother? Uh, I'm with Tennessee as well to cover um, Tennessee. Going into last week was second in the SEC in sacks. I don't think they took over Texas A&M, although they might have as many times as they sacked Max Johnson last week. Um, 
But with the, as many sacks as Alabama's given up, I, I think it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be close. It very well may play out exactly like the Arkansas game did last week. But as the way Tennessee runs the ball and controls the clock, it's going to be close. They're going to have a shot at the end of the game. Um, they may win outright, but I definitely think they cover the nine and a half. The spread, the spread scares me. This is one of those stinks out loud spreads that Vegas knows something we don't. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. like. I don't like the spread, but I definitely think the Tennessee can cover this. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you boys, and, I, and I'll tell you, I probably wouldn't have felt that way pre-Texas A&M game, but I thought, given the prowess of A&M's D-line, the way that Tennessee came out, physically asserted mm-hmm. themselves, and really controlled the line of scrimmage in that football game, I was impressed, man. And I will say this about Coach Heupel's teams. Obviously, they got a lot of hype last year because, you know, they're flaying it up and down the field and, and scoring at such a historic clip and all these things, right? But at the basis even of that offense last year, he runs the football. And, you know, he played at Oklahoma. They ran the football. Like, it's it's in his DNA, and I think they do that well. And I will say this. I have been a critic of Joe Milton, as James will tell you, thinking that at the end of the year, people would appreciate Hendon Hooker a lot more than they did when Hendon Hooker left, and I still believe that. But I will say this about Joe Milton. Seems like a tough kid. And I think if he can limit mistakes Saturday, they have a good chance to win the football game. Because I just think, man, with the pressure, Milrose going to make some mistakes. And he just is. That that's he, He's going to make three or four plays where you go, wow, like this dude is electric. But you're also, he's also going to make three or four and you go, what in the world is he thinking? And how much is Coach Saban going to eat his butt in film time? Because, mm-hmm. like, it's just going to be so angry. Also, can we talk about Coach Saban with maybe quote of the year, talking about KJ Jefferson on Saturday? Like, <laughs> I absolutely loved it when he's Boy. like, he's throwing grown men in the SEC off him like a gnat, like a cow swatting a gnat off him. <laughs> oh, God. Outstanding. That West Virginia, when the West Virginian Coach Saban comes out, I am happy here for it. So, yeah. Yeah, he's having fun. Listen, here's what I'll say now that we've gotten that pick out of the way because that's the one that I was most curious about. We are all on Tennessee to cover. So if you're yep. listening to this, you should probably bet on Alabama to cover. Because <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> I <laughs> I will say, you know, you mentioned Vegas knowing something. It is that kind of thing when everybody's kind of moving that direction, you know. But I, I say that, and then I, th- I felt this is very similar to last year, right? I think it was very similar last year. Alabama was a favorite going into Knoxville that Tennessee offense was was peaking was a juggernaut and everybody was saying Tennessee's about to beat Alabama and Vegas still had that number out there and then Tennessee actually actually beat them so I feel like it has some some shades to that too just in a different way I, I will tell you what gives me a little pause too mm-hmm. is their showing in Gainesville does not exactly give me all the warm feelings <laughs> about what could happen because mm-hmm. that's been obviously their most hostile road environment that they played in. Mm-hmm. And boy, they did not look ready for the lights that night. Um, now, granted, that was weeks ago. And we're mm-hmm. very fond here of saying that football teams are constantly evolving and figuring out who they are. So look, it's been a month and probably a different Tennessee football team. But still, that that makes me a little nervous. I mean, look, Brian Denny is is some serious jaws to walk into. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah, it, it's 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 going to be interesting for sure. All right, same time slot, another very interesting matchup in the SEC. And again, I think because of the number, South Carolina heading to Columbia to play Mizzou. Mizzou coming off a thumping 
of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I like this Mizzou team, man. I love Luther Burden. I would pay my own money to watch Luther Burden play. Like, I love watching that kid play. Um, Brady Cook's been outstanding. They run the football well. I do have questions about their defense. But look, boys, we're talking a fourth-quarter meltdown away against LSU from them being undefeated right now. Mm-hmm. So I think they're one of the more undersold stories of the year in college football, what Eli's doing out there. But how do we feel about this with South Carolina coming off, choking one away against Florida at Willie B and, and trying to go in here and get things right, John? Man, um, I don't I don't I do not feel good if I'm a South Carolina fan right now. Um, I think, you know, what you mentioned, not only is it not only is Mizzou one of the kind of more undertold stories had an opportunity had to be six and one um, their defense has looked awful against LSU. It looked awful against LSU. It looked awful against, uh, against um, Kansas state, but man, that South Carolina defense made Graham Mertz look like he was freaking Joe Montana or somebody. I mean, it made like this dude, like that dude just, really like slice them up 423 yards passing um and uh you know so when i when i think about that and i look at what brady cook luther burden those guys how mizzou is built um i think mizzou is is going to beat south carolina and i think they're going to beat them pretty badly i don't think that i don't think it's going to be a, a a kind of kentucky kind of um thumping you know that kind of thing but i do th- i do think it's going to be a two score uh, game uh, with Mizzou winning, and I think Shane Beamer coming in, you know, he kicked a kick something he shouldn't have kicked and broke his foot. And I, I just think South Carolina right now is just in a bad space mentally, um, and I think they're also uh, in a in a pretty bad space um, on the defensive side of the football. And I think Mizzou's going to take an opportunity to to have a big win. Where are you sitting on this one, James? Are we going to have our first divergence of the day here? <laughs> I have flip-flopped on this one probably a dozen times on this, and I'm going to settle on Mizzou, and it comes down to coaching. And I love Drink. I think he's probably one of the more underrated coaches in the SEC, and I think he has been for a long time, and I think he just it took him a while to get his footing at Mizzou. And I, I think Beamer's just a – he's just kind of a douche. Uh, he, I really can't think of a better term for him. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the kind of the shine's kind of worn off after the end of last season. And I think you're kind of seeing more of who he really is. Um, and really, they're, they'll go, South Carolina will go as far as Rattler will take them. And I have been very adamant about how much of a fan I am not of Spencer Rattler. So as long as he is the quarterback there, I do not think that they will win anything. And I think that this is, I agree with John, this is a two-score game. I think he'll make a mistake late, throw a pick six, and, you know, they'll pull away at the end. Something just ain't right with that South Carolina program, man. I can't put my finger on it, but I was talking to a buddy at work about this because I live in South Carolina. I said, look, man, you should not be the name-bearing institution of the Palmetto State and not have talent that you can compete on a weekly basis and feel good about things. This is a this is a talent-rich state that if you're yeah. able to recruit it, bring guys in and develop them, you can do just fine. And, like, I told him this too, man. Like, watching them against us, they've got enough talent on that defense to be just fine. So yeah. there's something going on there. And, look, John, we'll, we'll let you in on this. James knows this, and he's probably sick of me saying it, but – I base a lot of things off what I saw on QB1 for the three seasons that it was on. Mm-hmm. It was what I've always steeped my opinion of Justin Fields in and why yeah. I felt 
so good about the choice to keep Jake at quarterback when the two of them are there. And I've felt that way about Spencer Rattler, even before he got to South Carolina at Oklahoma. It just felt like, man, this is a guy that's way, way more worried about the name on the back of the jersey than the name on the front of the jersey. And, yeah. look, I could be 100% wrong about that, okay? I don't know the kid. He has all the talent in the world. And, dude, when he turns it on, he is electric, okay? Mm-hmm. I- I'm not debating any of that. But what I am saying is when you're the best player on the team and you are playing at the premier position, you got to be the leader, you know? And I, I don't know, man. It just seems like there's a disconnect there. And well- – I don't trust him for that reason. I think, I mean, I'll tell you what it is from my perspective, and we don't have to go deep into South Carolina on this because we don't have time, but um, it's it's culture, man. Like, it is, it's fake juice. And at the end of yes. the day, South Carolina, they've got a good football team. Um, I just looked up as you were talking. I mean, they're, they're number eight in the SEC um, in the 24-7 talent composite, right? I mean, they're not, you know, when you look at the, at the teams they're playing, um, on paper, they are more talented uh, than – uh, Ole Miss, then Missouri, then Mississippi State, then Kentucky, then Arkansas. Um, when you look at you know the, at what's happening, I I I just think it's fake juice. I'm not a Shane Beamer believer, um, and I think um, he was able to channel it in a way last year, late last year, to get those two top ten wins at the end of the season. Um, but I think what happens is when that thing starts going south. Um, he he has not found a way to actually build a, the program that has the mental toughness to bounce back because I I'll just say, I just don't think he has the mental toughness to actually bounce back from some of these uh, situations that the South Carolina has been in. Yeah, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And and obviously I, I am on Mizzou as well, boys. Yeah. I think Luther Burden has a big day. I mm. think it is. Uh, I think the folks at Shakespeare's are real happy. They're going to sell a lot of pizzas and pitchers of beer on, on Saturday evening. So yeah, it'll be a good day in Columbia. Okay. This is one that's on the list where, I put it on here because of the absurdity of the fact that Iowa is likely going to go 11-1 and and play in the Big Ten title game. But they are playing Minnesota in a game that is going to set the game of college football back offensively probably 115 years. Um, Iowa is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Boys, they may not score three-and-a-half-point game total in this game. So how are we feeling on this one, John? (laughs) Man, I think this game – I think Iowa – I'll just keep it short and sweet. I was going to win this game – like 13 to two it's going to be like the most bizarre you know what i mean it's going to be i mean then what they want to game 15 to six or something i mean yeah. it's it's wild yeah. i think i think iowa uh yeah i think they're going to win this game um uh by double digits but the whole total uh won't be 20 points um it's going to be very ugly uh but i think i was going to cover and i think i was like you know it's uh i think they're going to find a way um, to score the least points in college football history in a season total and yeah. and make a conference championship game. Like, it's just going to be wild. Now that you brought the total up, I completely dropped the ball on this. There's nothing on the planet that my boy loves more than betting a total. And <laughs> I should have just made this a game where we bet the total. That would um, be so great. Hand up. I messed that up. That, that's on me. Okay. But how you feeling about this, Jimmy? Where do you sit on this? Uh, I, I think the over under is set at 33, which I am shocked at right now. If it is Hammer over, the under, <laughs> if it is over 30 by kickoff, I'll be shocked. But um, I, I'm going to say exactly what I texted you on this. Uh, I got Iowa in a rock fight because that, that is what this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa's going to cover, but it, it's going to be ugly. Um, I, it's going to be like they're playing in 
you know, a monsoon. That that's how they play football. This is my commentary on this. It is uh it is shocking when you can say and maybe be right that I think Iowa may have the better offense in this game. Um <laughs> Minnesota has been that anemic when it comes to scoring points, and I just hate to see it. You know I love P.J. Fleck. I'm a row-the-boat guy, but, boy, they have had a tough year. And losing all the upper classmen that they lost in offense, it's been been tough sled. So I'm with you, boys. I'm taking the Hawkeyes, too, which, yeah, this is probably my least confident pick in the four years of doing this show. (laughs) So, yeah, it could be like, yeah, to your point, John, it could be like 9-5. Like safety I mean, and field goal for the Gophers. Yeah, you've got two two teams that are um, 102 and 104 in off in scoring offense. Um, yeah, so. yeah. All right, this next one, boys. I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited about this. One. I think this is two fun programs. Mm-hmm. Toledo play in Miami of Ohio. Big game in the MAC. We got the two division leaders facing off. Uh, Toledo is a one and a half point road favorite. Love Daquan Finn, their quarterback there. Look, boys, they are a last-second field goal against Illinois from being undefeated. I mean, they are they are a fun, fun team to watch. Also, guess who is leading the charge for the Red Hawks of Miami? It is Blaine Gabbert's younger brother, Brett, under center for, for the boys at, in Miami of Ohio. So, uh, fun little game, man. And their only loss this year was the opener against the U, the real Miami. Yeah. So, yeah, how are we feeling on this one? Man, um, I Miami, uh, yeah, Miami is has they've rolled off six wins in a row too, I believe, after losing. Uh, what maybe it was the, they lost to the other Miami. Um, I listen, I I like Toledo. I like Toledo. I think uh, Toledo. You mentioned it. It's 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 a fun team. I think um, it's a team that um, can score a lot of points. Um, I think Miami of Ohio is playing some of the best football um, in in the group of five right now. Um, but I think Toledo is going to go in and, and, and get it done. Like, I think, you know, there's a reason though, that this, this game is what is what, one and a half. Um, yeah. but I think, yeah, I think, I think Toledo is going to go in and win the game. Um, I think Toledo is, has a few better athletes, um, on the outside on both sides of the ball. And I think, um, I think it's going to be a fun one to watch, but I'm, I'm going with Toledo. James, where are you sit on this one? I'm, I'm going with Blaine Gabbert's younger brother. Uh, first point of divergence here. So <laughs> finally, finally, I'm some going, going, going with, uh, I, in my opinion, what is the real Miami after Cristobal's uh, you know, big gaff a few weeks ago? So yeah. give me, uh, give me Miami of Ohio to win this one. I'm taking Daquan Finn here, man. I like this Toledo team. I think their offense is fun. I think he gives you multiple ways to hurt you. He can do it with his legs. He does it with his arm. You know, they played in back-to-back bowls. They they seem to have a good culture there. But I think it's going to be a super fun game. This mm-hmm. could very easily be a game that Miami of Ohio wins. And I think we'll see these teams again, probably against each other in the MAC championship game. But, yeah, I, I'm going to take, take Toledo in this one. All right, the next one, I'm sure both of you are like – why in the hell are we picking Colorado State and UNLV? I'm going to tell you why. Because I think this UNLV team is a lot of fun. And um, Barry Odom's there and has changed his style. And, dude, they are running a wild offense. This cat, Brennan Marion's our offensive coordinator, had prior stops at William & Mary. And then before that, he was at Howard, both places with Coach London. He was the offensive coordinator for the Kayla Newton-led team that went into – uh, 
UNLV, ironically, and beat them straight up when it was the biggest point spread in history where that had ever happened. Um, they run that go-go offense, man. It is crazy, crazy eye candy before the snap, and they're averaging over 40 points a game. I just think they're a super fun team. They got one loss on the year. Um, playing a Colorado State K team who has been interesting, man. Three and three. Obviously had all that juice when they played Colorado and took them down on the wire. Um, and, yeah. Just thought it was a fun game to pick. So UNLV seven and a half point home favorite running Rebels homecoming this week at Allegiant Stadium. How do you feel about this one, Jock? Listen, uh, I don't know much about um, either of these teams. I'm not going to lie. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of research. I do think Mike Odom is a great coach. I think Colorado State, had, they they won uh, one of those uh, three games on the Hail Mary uh, last week, which, you know, uh, was super super fun to to see, but um, uh, I think UNLV is going to win, and I think uh, I think they're going to cover. Um, and uh, I think Mike Odom is is one of the more underrated head coaches in college football. I think the guy knows he knows how to build programs. I think there was a reason that Arkansas has fallen off since he left, um, and uh, and I'm I think UNLV is going to get it done. What you feel like on this one, James? I'm going with UNLV as well. Uh, Colorado State. Their most impressive game was the loss against Colorado. I mean, that three minutes against Boise last week was really impressive. But I mean, that that's a one in a million shot that that, that happens. You know, getting the couple of onside kicks and the hail mary to win down twenty one with three minutes left—that's just bananas. So, um, Colorado State—they've I mean, been fun, but I think UNLV is much better, and I think they're going to roll at home. I agree. I think it's going to be a fun homecoming for the Rebels. I think that go-go offense is jamming all day. So, yeah, I, I like yeah. UNLV in this one, too. I, I also called him Mike Odom. I know it's Barry Odom. Mike Odom is a friend of mine. Shout out to Mike. Um, <laughs> he is not coaching UNLV. That is Barry Odom. So Boy, it would be awesome if he was. <laughs> it would be great. It would be awesome. <laughs> all right, next game on the docket, and I think this one is a little bit up in the air. James and I texted a little bit about this, John, but – Duke going to Tallahassee to play Florida State. It's a 13-and-a-half-point spread. I, I think, obviously, a lot of this hinges on, A, how healthy is Riley Leonard if he does play, and then if he's not healthy enough to play. Boy, they're, uh, they're, they're a different animal to talk about. But um, Mike Elko's boys going in there trying to, trying to do what they can. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I, mean, I think Riley – I think Leonard, even if he is help, even if he can play, I think he's going to be limited in his mobility, yeah. um, which is a big part of his game. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think it's – I think it, it it's also going to be a challenge going to Florida State for Duke. Um, I am a believer in Mike Elko. I'm a believer in that. In, in Mike Elko, I'm a believer in the defense he's building. I'll give you, uh, you know – when when Texas A&M gets rid of Jimbo Fisher, I think they're going to go after Mike Elko. Um, and uh, but I but I think I think Florida State's going to be too much. I think Leonard, even if he plays, he's probably not going to be very mobile. I think um, Florida State, those skill players, um, Keon Coleman and those guys, I I just think it's I think it's going to be too much. I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to cover the thirteen and a half. How you feel about this one, Jimmy? You like the you like the Knowles, or are you going to go with the with the Blue Devils? I don't like this game at all. I don't like this game. I, I feel no no confidence in this at all. I I'm going with the Knowles, and I but I don't like it. Just something about Duke this year. It's just something about them. Even even if with Leonard's limited mobility, if he plays, they just I like Elko. I mean, it's just they embody his personality and everything he about him. 
and they're just tough as nails and they just they're in every game and they're in everything and that would makes me nervous about the 13 half i know it's in tallahassee and that's a tough place to play but even if it's a backdoor cover i could see it happening but i'm i'm gonna go with the more talented team the better edge talent and i'm gonna go with the Knowles. Yeah, I'm taking the Knowles too, man. For me, it's it's the edge talent. They got two Sunday guys at wide receiver. Uh, I just I think they're going to be too much, um, especially given I I think if if Leonard was 100 percent healthy, boy, I would love this number for the Blue Devils. Would love it. Um, obviously, it probably wouldn't be at this number if he was completely healthy. But yeah, I think going in that environment, night game at Tallahassee, you know, plant the spear, Chief Osceola, all of it. I just yeah, I, I like the Knowles in this one. All right, this one's – this is interesting too, right? You're, you're getting Utah's defense going to the Coliseum to play USC's offense, which let's have a conversation about this. Looks a lot less vaunted after Notre Dame punched them in the mouth all night last Saturday. Uh, it looks like Utah going to be without Cam Rising again. I saw some articles this week that there are serious discussions about Cam Rising requesting a medical red shirt and coming back for year seven. Um, so we'll see what goes on with that. Obviously – ACL tough to come back from. So it doesn't look like he'll be available. Uh, USC, a six and a half point home favorite here. How do you feel about this, John? Um, listen, I think um, Kyle Whittingham has done nothing but figure out a way uh, to beat USC. I mean, Kyle Whittingham is that guy. He is he is a great coach. Um, I love Kyle Whittingham. Um, I think he, he uses his, his personnel as good as anybody um, in college football. Um, but man, I think Lincoln Riley, I think Caleb Williams, I think those skill players, um, Cam Rising likely being missing again. Um, I, th- I think USC is going to bounce back. Um, I'm not a believer in USC. I think their defense is high garbage. Um, but I don't know that Utah has enough on the offensive side of the ball to score. I think the I think they'll hold USC to you know let's say 24, 21, 24. I just don't know that they have enough offense to to match even that right now um and so i'm gonna go with with usc to win and cover the spread james how you feeling this one this is an easy pick for me as long as it's uh riley versus whittingham i'm going with the use to cover i, I don't care who's <laughs> under center because it's mean, just something about that matchup that it, it's I, I don't know what it is he he owns him so um williams looked terrible last week and I've ne- I have not seen him look that bad since he played Utah last. So uh, I don't – I think I think USC is probably going to win this game because of Utah's anemic offense. But I would not be surprised if Utah gets some short fields and puts up some points that way. But Utah's – I mean, USC is going to get some points in this game, and they're probably going to win. But I don't see – it's going to be closer than everybody thinks. Oh, God, I hate this game. Um, Everything in my being tells me to pick Utah. But I need to make up some ground on my boy. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Trojans and hope that I can steal one back from you, James. (laughs) I am losing the season-long competition against my my boy here, John. So I need to make up some ground. (laughs) So I'm going to take the Trojans for that reason. I, I do think, though, that offensively, they have the capability to score, and man, that the Utah showing in in Corvallis is also swaying this a little bit for me. Like, they went up there and just Oregon State just did what they wanted with, them. and so like I, yeah, I think USC is gonna score too much. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with USC too. All right, last one of the day, 
boy, both these teams are in tough spots. Clemson got to go down to Coral Gables to play Miami. It feels to me like that Miami program is off off the rails now. I think you lose the locker room a little bit when you make a call like Coach Cristobal did. Clemson a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. How do you feel about this one, John? Yeah, listen, I, um, I think Clemson is – in a similar situation to South Carolina in some ways, uh, you heard Dabo Sweeney this week saying maybe we should go out and lose a few games um, to not to get some of our bandwagoners off of our out of our fan base. Um, I don't think Clemson is, a, is in a good headspace going into this game. I just don't. And, you know, you look at that and you, Miami, uh, I, I think I heard that they haven't won an ACC home game under Cristobal yet. I think, you know, Clemson hasn't lost at Miami in a hundred years. Um, uh, but I think, I think Miami uh, is going to, uh, again, Tyler, Tyler Van Dyke. I think, I think that offense is going to find a way um, to get it done against Clemson, and I think Miami's going to uh, cover the three, cover the three and a half, and and likely win the game. I know they're they're an underdog at home, um, but I think I think Miami's going to probably win this game. James, how you feel about this one, buddy? Before last week, when after the you know the terrible call on the you know not kneeling against Georgia Tech, I thought Miami was going to come out and really you know try to make a statement and bounce back from that. And they came out and laid an absolute egg. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see that team have anything to play for the rest of the season. They're just kind of looking like they're going to go through the motions. With that being said, like I, I know everybody says that Clemson's a cult and Dabo's the cult leader and everything like that, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. But it's really starting to feel more and more like that, more cultish, the more the season goes on. And the more that they're not as dominant as they have been in the past, I just don't know how he recovers from this. If this if this season goes down the drain the way it is, so I originally had Clemson, but the more and more I thought about it, I, I'm going to go with the U and Miami and Crystal to cover because I just think that they're more talented, which is really weird to say, especially on the offense side of the ball. They're just more talented. I can't remember the last time I, I thought that, you know, teams in the ACC were more talented than Clemson, but they are this year. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know who either of these teams are, to be honest with you. I, I thought Miami had a lot going, and then I think the Neil or the non-Neil obviously has, has changed their dynamic a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like Taylor and Dyke. I like what their offense can do. They showed what they can do against A&M against a good defensive line offensively at home. Um Obviously not the most electric home field anymore, which is crazy to say about a team that used to call the Orange Bowl home and, and be bananas all the time. Um, and this Clemson team, man, I just – I don't know. They just don't seem to have the juice or the guys that you're, like, scared of. But, again, I'm going to try to steal one back. Since my boy has gone with the U, I am going to take Dabo and the Tigers to hopefully go. get a cover here. Uh, but I feel horrendous about the odds of that happening. So, Yeah. All right, boys. Well, John, I feel good about it, brother. Eight and two is the clip to beat. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Tell everybody where they can follow you before we go. Hey, follow me on uh, Twitter at John Tweet Sports, um, and you can find everything else from there. So uh, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully um, you make up some ground and uh, you all bring this thing a little bit closer for the rest of the year. That's right. All right, John. We appreciate it, brother. Go dogs. See you. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.